Okay, good evening, everybody. Okay, we'll be on... We're going to just forgo the, uh, the PowerPoints and everything for tonight. Small crowds, so we'll... Uh, just got to pay extra close attention tonight. Did you have any extra ones? Or actually, there's one here. I'll get it. We'll be on... Lesson number 11 tonight. It actually will work out really nicely with, uh, with schedule-wise. We've got Lesson 11 tonight. Then next week, which I think is the 28th, will be Lesson 12. And then we got that as the 4th, which will be Lesson 13. And then the 11th is then a business meeting right after that. So that actually will be a good uh, transition point then at this point. But, uh, but the lesson tonight, again, is a... Uh, was a very challenging lesson to me um, in reading it and then preparing it tonight. So pray that it will be for you as well. So let's just go ahead and pray before we get started. Um, Lord, I do thank you for the lesson this evening, just a lesson on forbearance. And I um, thank you for how you challenged me in it. And I pray that you would work on the lives uh, of others as well in this tonight, um, whether that's here physically uh presence in the building listening to it, or anyone who may listen to it over the recording. Uh, but I do pray that your word would just uh, go forth and not return void in it. And just be with us, help us be able to pay attention and focus on the lesson tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, there is uh, a fair amount of reading uh, on this one to start, kind of uh, taking all four of the gospel accounts in this situation. Um, so we'll just We'll just read it here. So the first one is Matthew 26, um, verses 47 to 54. So you're going to start, Pastor. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they, and laid hands on Jesus, and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand, and drew his sword, and struck a servant of the high priests, and smote off his ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? And we'll continue in Mark's account, in Mark 14, 43-49. And immediately, while he yet spoke, spake, cometh Judas, and one of the twelve, and with him, a great multitude with swords and staves, and from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given him a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him, and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goeth straightway to him, and saith, Master, Master, and kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief, with swords and with staves, and to take me? 
I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you took me not, but the scriptures must be filled. And it's not on your sheet there, but then Luke's account, uh, Luke 22, 47 to 53, I'll read those here. It says, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them, and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest, and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple, and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. And then John's account, which is in John 18, uh, verses 1 to 14. I'll read those. Feel free to follow along in your Bible if you have them. John 18, 1 to 14. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where it was a garden, into the which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. The saying might be fulfilled, which he spake, Of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. And led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Again, familiar situation, um, as I'm sure you're all aware, with the, with the situation here. That Judas arrives with the soldiers and accompanying mob and betrays Jesus with a kiss. And to the surprise of the disciples, Jesus meekly submits to arrest. Peter, disregarding the odds that are up against him, draws his sword and slashes off the ear of the high priest's servant. And amazingly, Jesus rebukes him and heals the servant and is led away to face trial. So some goals to think about tonight is that number one is to realize that Jesus loves all people. And so should we. And then number two, this is an interesting um, point to think about. Choose to allow the Lord to have his way in their lives. It's interesting. 
point of thinking about, an idea of forbearance to others. Have you ever acted impetuously? Have you ever failed to show patience? Have you ever failed to follow the words of David, who said twice in Psalm 27, 14, to wait on the Lord? Oftentimes, it is easy to instantaneously react to a situation when the Lord wants us to have a Christ-honoring response rather than a fleshly reaction. The Christian must remember that God wants us to be long-suffering, slow to wrath, patient. And these attributes, which are combined and woven into forbearance, are all traits that are commanded by Scripture. And as always, the Lord himself has set that example for us. So some verses, um, again, to read before we even get into um, the point, kind of backing up what was just said there, Psalm 86, 15. So whoever we stopped at, I remember. Let me pick us up, John. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. And 2 Corinthians 6, 4 to 6. But in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience and afflictions, in necessities and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in, tri in tumults and labors, in watchings and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. James 1 19 to 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Proverbs 16 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. 2 Timothy 2.24 And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And then finally James 1.2-4 My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It's a point, and then I think we got verse 4. But let patience. Uh, patience. <laughs> but, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You're just helping us with our patience. <laughs> <laughs> so point number one, we have the starts with the B. The betrayal. Yep, the betrayal. The betrayal. No. As he had done with many events of this final week, Jesus had foretold this act of betrayal. Matthew 26, verses 20 to 25. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in, in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It has been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? 
He said unto him, Thou hast said. The betrayal of the Lord was truly one of the darkest hours in human history. Those who love the Lord unconsciously grit their teeth in anger at the thought of the beloved Savior you know, falling victim to such treachery. But then we reflect and remember God's plan. Christ knew what was going to happen, and he was, and he was willingly allowing himself to be led toward his ultimate destiny on the cross. And as we've noted before, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, and that is the way it had to be. Now, John 13, 27 states that Satan himself entered into Judas. Jesus was not the first and was certainly not the last to be betrayed by one of Satan's pawns. David knew, David knew betrayal as well. The passage in Psalm 55 probably refers to David's trusted friend and counselor, Ahithophel, who joined Absalom in his rebellion. So, uh, Psalm 55, verses 9 to 14. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go about it, upon the walls thereof, mischief also and sorrow in the midst of it. Wickedness is in the midst thereof, deceit and evil. Depart not from there, not from her streets. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then I could, <clears throat> then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did not magnify himself against me. Then would I have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, and mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Subpoint A, we have the something of Judas. Starts with a K. Kiss, yes, the kiss of Judas. And the word kiss connotates love, tenderness, and affection. And it seems that there can be no greater devaluing of a kiss than to use it to betray someone. So while the Passover meal was still going on, Judas had stolen away, if you remember, I'm going to read here, actually urged by Jesus to do so, to quickly do what he was going to do. John 13 27 to 30. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus said unto him, By those things which have need of against the feast, or he that should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, immediately went out, and it was night. They had then gone into the garden to pray, as we looked at back in Lesson 9 on prayer. Judas knew that was knew, Judas, Judas knew that with the darkness it may be hard to pick out the Savior. We know it was dark because they came to find him with torches, as we read in John 18. That Judas and his companions wanted to make sure there'd be no mistake as to who should be arrested. Not the crazy guy swinging the sword. <laughs> the agreement was made that he would be that he would kiss the one who is to be arrested. Judas was in many ways like so many in the world today. He knew much about Jesus and even professed to be his follower, but he never surrendered his life to Jesus. 
Psalm, or Proverbs 27, verse 6. <clears throat> Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Illustration um, here. Uh, literature class flashbacks here. Brutus was a trusted friend and official under Julius Caesar, but he turned against Caesar and joined a band of conspirators bent on Caesar's overthrow. The assassination plot was carried out as Caesar arrived at the Roman Senate on March 15, 44 BC. At first, Caesar resisted the attack, but when he saw Brutus among his assailants, he covered his face and resigned himself to death. In Shakespeare's play, he has Caesar say, et tu, Brute, which is you too, Brutus, then fall, Caesar. Subpoint B, we have the, starts with the K, of Jesus. Kindness, yep. The kindness of Jesus. In Matthew 26, 50, we see another glimpse into the heart of Jesus when he calls Judas friend. Jesus knew exactly why Judas was there and what he was coming to do, and yet he still refers to him as a friend. What an amazing illustration of his amazing grace. Judas was about to commit one of the most despicable acts in all of recorded history, yet Christ did not even rebuke him. Think about it this way. How Jesus felt about Judas did not depend on how Judas felt about Jesus. How Jesus felt about Judas did not depend on how Judas felt about Jesus. Jesus loved Judas, just as he loves all sinners. Remember, Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners by the, uh, the Pharisees. And that was perfectly true. And for that, every one of us should be grateful eternally grateful for that. Our response when we are wronged says much about our character. The Lord tells us that we are to be an example, First Timothy 4.12, talking about being an example of the believers and word and conversation and faith and purity and conduct. Well, this verse says that we are to be an example, again, in some of the things we listed there. We also need to be an example in our forbearance. Paul told the church at Ephesus that we are to forbear one another in love. You'll see this word pop up a lot, actually. It's kind of interesting. You don't really think about it um, until he's um, looking at the lesson here. Um, but he also stated it in Colossians 3.13, that we are to be forbearing and forgiving. One can only wonder what the world would think if we responded to wrongs with forbearance and love. Christ was love and kindness incarnate. And we are to seek to be like it. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, enduring, uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And again, he's writing to a church there. In that context, keep that context in mind. Same thing here in Colossians 3, 12-14. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and love, <laughs> vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But, this, but, of the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. First Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed, is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth in all things, hopeth in all things, beareth all things. There are many parallels between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus. Pretty interesting. I've actually been reading this in my own devotions. And one striking parallel is the attitude of Joseph toward those who mistreated him, particularly his brothers. They hated him for his dreams and for the favoritism their father showed him, going so far as to sell him into slavery to a company who were traveling into Egypt. They were going to kill him first, but they decided might as well make some money off of him. So then they just decided to sell him in Egypt. They hoped never to see him again. Through many trials, recounted again in Genesis chapters 39 to 41, um, the ultimate rags to riches story. I mean, you got to think about, like, in that sense, you know, Joseph going from slave to literally, like, prime minister of the world power of the day in Egypt, in charge of the food supply during a region-wide famine. And then his brothers came to Egypt seeking food. And here was Joseph's opportunity to get even. But obviously he didn't, as you know the story. Now he tested them to see if they had changed at all. And obviously it, they proved that they had on that. But then it's interesting, it's after, of course, then they all move to Egypt. After Jacob dies, they come back to him again. They obviously had been talking with their father and basically is like, okay, now that Joseph's, now that Jacob's dead, now, now that our dad's dead, he's going to get even with us. And they came to him basically saying, no, please forgive us again, do all this. No, our father said to tell you to please forgive us and stuff. But this is what he said here in Genesis 50, 19 to 21. It says, fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you... Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Quite a testimony that he had. How do we treat those who mistreat us? Let's follow the example of Joseph and most certainly the example of Jesus, which brings us to point two, which is the, also starts the B. We had um, the betrayal. Now we had the, what was that? Or to the B. Think uh, a certain individual with a weapon. Starts with a B. 
Starts with a B A. <laughs> B A T. B A T. Double T. Battle. So called, if you could call it that. The battle. After Christ had been betrayed, a battle broke out. Peter rose to the Lord's defense and sought to protect him by personally assaulting one of the high priest's servants, a man named Malchus. It's a wonderful thing to stand strongly for the Lord, but it needs to be done in his way and at his time. Subpoint A, we have the starts with an S of Peter. Think of the sword. Yep, the sword of Peter. Jesus, as always, put the welfare of others first. After Jesus acknowledged that he was the one that they sought, he told them to allow his followers to go. Terrified disciples took the opportunity and fled, just as Jesus has said they would, but not before Peter, of course, attempted to have a say in the matter. Now, Peter decided that he needed to defend the Lord all by himself against the whole armed mob if necessary. He drew his sword and, taking a swing at the head of the high priest's servant, sliced off his right ear. This was probably not his intention. Either Peter had bad aim, which probably was probably more of the case, or Malchus reacted just in time to keep this blow from being lethal, probably a combination of the two, because the fisherman, he's probably not trained in warfare. While it's commendable to defend the Lord, it's extremely important that it be done at the right time and in the right way. God is the judge of all, and we are commanded in Matthew 7, 1, that we judge not, he be not judged. It seems as if Peter had pronounced himself to be judge, jury, and executioner all at once. Peter had reverted to the concepts now found in the Jewish law, the eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. In the heat of the moment, he'd forgotten what Jesus had taught him. In Matthew 5, 38-39, Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. The Crusades took place between the years 1096 and 1291, and consisted of a series of European armies marching toward the Middle East, with the goal purported to be freeing of the Holy Land from Muslim occupation. In reality, a number of motives were in play, not the least of which was the opportunity for personal glory and plunder. Examine your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it really for the Lord's sake? Is it really what he wants you to do? Which brings us to sub-point B. We see the sword of Peter, and then also starts with an S, the something of Jesus. Salvation? Think, think, uh, again, the sword caused something, so Jesus had this. 
sympathy. The sympathy. The sympathy of Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. That's Isaiah 53, verse 7. When one responds to an unjust attack, as the Lord did, with peace and silence, it immediately gives others pause, because that is obviously not a natural response. Jesus not only refused to fight back, but he actually healed the wounded Malchus. Think what a testimony that was to all those other folks there at that. At this stressful time in his life, part of the cup that he had prayed his father to spare him from, Jesus again put others before himself here. David was once more headed to exile, this time at the hands of his own son. On his, on his sorrowful way out of Jerusalem, he was accosted by a man named Shimei. And we'll read about that. It's not um, in your um, notes there, because I don't think there's room for it. But I'll read it. This is in uh, 2 Samuel 16, verses 5 to 14. Very interesting situation here. It says, When King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Girah. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come on, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned unto thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son, and behold, and behold Thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Definitely a great example of forbearance. And God took care of it eventually, that one, in a very uh, final way. David chose to leave the matter with the Lord and commanded that Shimei not be harmed. When others attack us, are we able to react with kindness and even sympathy? Are we able to forbear and resist the temptation to get even? If so, we are truly following some worthy examples. Christ lived to love the unlovely. There's no greater picture of the principle taught 
in Matthew 5.44, saying, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The Lord's life could be summarized by the words in Acts 10.38, which state, where it states that he went about doing good. It would be a wonderful thing if our friends and our neighbors saw a pattern of good works in our lives. So then Matthew 5, 43 to 48. Remember where we stopped? <laughs> we like need to get like a hat and pass it along. So then like big red hat. So then whoever the last person is, we know who that is. Acts 5, 43 to 48. Ye have heard it that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do you not give me tokens the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the public also. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. James 2.14-20 What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and ye warm and fill, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. And what doth Even so, faith, if it hath not worse, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, obey man, that faith without works is dead? Matthew 7, 17, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. That brings us to point number three, or last one this evening. We had the betrayal and the battle, and it also starts with a B. Kind of follow the progression in the story. <laughs> Not that one. B-I. At the bidding. It's kind of funny you say B and then you say B I and everybody who thought they had it goes. <laughs> the binding. 
the binding. It's called alliteration. <laughs> alliteration. The binding. After the betrayal and the brief battle, <laughs> Jesus allowed himself to be bound and led away. What was that? <laughs> a type is an Old Testament picture of a New Testament truth. One of the greatest types of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament was Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise to Abraham. It was through Isaac that the promised seed was prophesied to come. It wasn't through Ishmael. Probably the greatest type of Isaac as the Lord Jesus Christ is found in Genesis 22. We see Isaac led to Mount Moriah by his father. It was here that Isaac asked his father where the sacrifice was. Abraham told him that God would provide himself a sacrifice. And ultimately, Isaac allowed himself to be bound and laid upon the altar. Jesus allowed himself to be bound and ultimately nailed to the cross as the once-for-all sacrifice for our sin. So sub-point A, we have the, starts with an A of Jesus. Six-letter word, don't overthink it too much. As he's being bound, he's being arrest, yes, the arrest of Jesus. Jesus commanded the weapons to be put away, and he allowed himself to be arrested. It was the next step on the road he knew he had to travel. The scriptures had to be fulfilled, and Christ had come to seek and to save that which was lost. There was no other way. He had been telling his disciples all about what was to come, but they were still not ready to accept it. At this point, all the disciples forsook him and fled. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 26.56 but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples were so and fled. The Apostle Paul was undoubtedly one of the greatest Christians of the New Testament era. In many ways, he emulated the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul knew that God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. This is in the end of his ministry here. And he also knew that in Jerusalem he would not be warmly received. It is most interesting to read his response. This is in Acts 21, 12 to 13. It says, And when he heard these, and when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Are we ready to carry out the will of the Lord for our lives? and accept whatever consequences there may be. So in our last uh, point here, so point B, we have the, also starts with an A, of Jesus. 
would be a harder one to get. The ascent, A-S-S-C-N-T, the ascent of Jesus. Jesus Christ could have destroyed every one of his attackers with a word or even a look, but he allowed them to arrest him and lead him off to face trial. He did not resist because to do so would have been to resist the will of God. And Jesus already told his father, not my will, but thine be done. You've probably heard the saying that meekness is strength under control. It's most certainly the case when we think about Jesus Christ. He had all power, but also had all control. The Lord who embodied this meekness can help us to show forbearance toward others and to die to self. Jesus said in John 8, 29, I do always those things that please him, talking of him, and the, him to the Father. We should live our lives striving to always do those things which please our Heavenly Father. So in conclusion tonight, as we reflect on this incident in Peter's life, this lesson reminds us that the Christian life, the Christian walk, will not always be an easy walk or a comfortable walk. We see that we must trust the Lord and rely on Him to carry us through times of trial, difficulty. We can be encouraged by the fact that He's all-powerful and that He has the strength and the wherewithal to solve any problem and fulfill any need. We must be willing to trust Him, always remembering that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Until that day, there are times that God's people will be required to bear quite a load for the Lord's sake, and with His help we can. So, and that concludes the lesson tonight, Lesson 11 on forbearance. Anybody have any any thoughts or anything that stood out to you particularly? Okay. It's definitely not a uh, you know, rah-rah type of lesson. It's a very kind of challenging internal kind of lesson. But I'm curious if anybody has any, any thoughts or anything they wanted to... Uh, to share or mention on it. I see it like goes kind of along with Dad's teaching this morning. Um, something that got really working in my own life of just like um, it's not the easy route to take, but this is for your good and this is growing you if you allow God to um, really the better thing to be used of God. Like it's not always like the the easy route, and like my flesh always just takes the easy route. Um, so many areas in my life, is like, but I, I was interesting because, like, <laughs> I was talking with the girls the other day about a glass polarizer. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, anyways. But that example in the message this morning, and then like now, I'm like, okay, I must really need to be there. God really wants me to get this. But it's like it really is the better path, and that is the, it's not the, it's a humble path, but it's, it's for my good, and for Christ's sake, that's, that's the least I can do, is just follow him.
overriding thought to me is this Matthias and Peter. For one, maybe you can explain, John, how you just cut an ear off. How did that? Did he swing this way and he happened to turn? And, you know? Or did it come down this way and then somebody stopped his arm from cutting his neck? But right before that, Jesus spoke and they all fell down. So he experiences this, gets his ear cut off. Jesus picks it up and heals him. And I believe it was him that they said that when Peter came in, he said, weren't you one of them? And said it was the one whose ear was cut off. Just an amazing product. That situation, I know that's kind of off the subject. It's just something that's... Think about the last miracle that Jesus did. And I guess I never really thought about that, but I, I think that probably that would be the last miraculous act you know, that, that Jesus did there. But any other thoughts from anyone? You know, one thing that, uh, that stood out to me um, was just that thought of our response when we're wronged says a lot about our character, or at least our initial response, you know. Like, you know, when that email comes through, and the way that it's worded, and it's like, kind of gets you like that, and it's like, mm, that's not right, you know. Like, those, how do we not have that reaction? Again, some personal things for me, but... Um, but that's a very true thought. Is like how we think and how we well, how we act and react when we're wronged says a lot about our character and our heart and what we are spiritually. And that talks about Christ. I think it's I think it's in Peter, like when he was reviled, he reviled not again. And again, that's just this. You think about all the absolute lies and physical abuse that he would endure at his trial after this, that they had to pay people to lie about him to uh, get their trial to go through, you know? And it's like, just the forbearance and everything there. It's, it's just pretty incredible. Just that challenge then to us in that. But last call, any other, any other thoughts or before we close? Yes, Jill. Anything else? Yeah. Still interesting how we're just amazing how Jesus still calls his friend. It's like he wasn't stupid. He knew what they were there for. And you think about it, what was going on in Judas's like mind and heart throughout this whole thing? It obviously enough got to the point where it overwhelmed him that he tried to get rid of it. But like even during that, and then even before that, you no, know, during the Last Supper, and you know, when Jesus says, "Better for that man not to have been born," <laughs> and different things, and I was like, "Man." to home brought up an interesting point. Leanne, she mentioned, she said, you know, Judas, he never 
He never went back to Jesus and asked for forgiveness because he would have forgiven him. This is an interesting thought. Just sometimes you feel like you're so far gone or you can't get yourself out of it. Or, you know, but a lot of thoughts and stuff on that. But let's go ahead and pray before we uh, to close here. Lord, we do thank you for for the lesson tonight and definitely a challenge, challenge to me. And I trust a challenge to others as well and forbearance and how you are the ultimate example of that in our lives, um, for our lives. That um, again, how you reacted when you were wronged, completely wronged, and every way manageable humanly, um, how you forbeared and you forgave and you loved and you took it silence and um, so against our natural human reaction to want to fight back and make it make it right and write it and say what the truth is and you know, there's times and places for things but just how you're just that ultimate example of that and again that's only possible for um, someone that knows you and through your spirit, Lord. And I ask that you just be with us and help us to work on our lives and help us grow in that for those um, that know you, Lord. And I pray that you just uh, be with us tonight, give us safety home to, uh, to our, going to our homes and bring us back again on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.